the vengeance of Ishtar. In the night, Enkidu jumped up from his couch and called to his friend, Oh, Gilgamesh, my dreams are full of threats and omens. Tell me what they're about. I'll, I'll consent with Ninsun. I was standing by the wall of the city. I looked upward to the top of the wall, and there, crouching like some dark bird, was the goddess Ishtar. All the priestesses, Harim too, were gathered around her, and the temple yard was empty. They set up a howl, a lamentation over the leg of the bull that I, Enkidu, threw yesterday at the goddess. I was not afraid, Enkidu went on, but then the gods, hearing the awful noise, gathered around Ishtar, and they were angry. Anu opened his mouth and spoke, even Father Anu, and he said, They have entered the cedar gate, they have desecrated the forest, they have killed Humbaba, guardian of the wild cows, and our servant, and they have insulted the goddess Ishtar. They have killed the bull of heaven, and one of them shall die. Anu asked the gods to decide which one of us should die, and Enlil answered, Enkidu should die. The god Shamash of the bright face came forward and argued for me, saying, Why should Enkidu be the one? But Enlil ridiculed him and told him to go down to earth and live with mankind. And the gods agreed that I should die. Tears came to the eyes of Gilgamesh. Oh, my friend, my younger brother, why should the gods acquit me and not you? Haven't we together done all the things? Go to sleep, Enkidu. But Enkidu grew feverish and his dreams increased. Gilgamesh sat beside him. Listen, Enkidu, I would not let them take you. If they took you, I would sit by the gate of the underworld and never move until they released you and brought you back. Enkidu became ill. In his dreams, he saw the tall cedar gate. He spoke to it as though it was some living thing. Because I admired your beauty, I didn't destroy you. I didn't cut you down. But if I had known what evil you concealed, I would have hacked you to pieces. Next, he dreamt of his days as a wild man, and he called for his friends, the gazelle and the little wild horse, the foxes and the rabbits. Bitterly, he cursed the hunter. May your traps remain forever empty. May the wild creatures that hunt you turn on you and pursue you. Worst of all were his curses against Harim. O oh, priestess, it was you who trapped me in the forest. It was you who lured me to the hut of the shepherd. It was you who led me into the streets of the city. May those streets be your only dwelling place forever. May you crouch in the shade of the wall. May the rain and the wind be your garments and dry crust your only food. May your only companions be the low, the drunken, the outcast. The god Shamash heard the terrible curses of Enkidu, and he called down to him out of the sky. Enkidu, my son, wake up. Why should you curse the hunter? Why should you revile the dear priestess who loves you so faithfully? Who was it, Enkidu, that first taught you to speak? Who was it that tore her own garment to make you a tunic? Who taught you to eat bread and to drink wine fit for the gods? Who brought you before the king when he welcomed you his, as his brother? so that you became a hero, and so that the princes of the earth knelt before you to kiss your feet. Enkidu wakened, and he called out for the vanished princess, priestess. Oh, Harim, dear Harim, may you be forever favored by the gods. May your reign forever young and beautiful. May kings open their storehouses and spread their treasures before you. May you be forever admired, forever loved, forever envied, whether by the young girls or the mothers of seven. May every heart yearn for you. Other dreams afflicted Enkidu. He dreamed of a palace in which kings and princes were only servants. They waited on them, gods. They bathed them, 
They carried out their orders with many bows. They served wine to the gods and brought them baked goods. And then he dreamed of Zoo the bird that attacked him with sharp talons for twelve days. And twelve nights Enkidu lay on his couch, his friend sitting beside him. On the thirteenth day he turned over and lay like a worm on his face. Gilgamesh spoke to him. He called to him, Enkidu, Enkidu, what sleep has taken hold of you? You are dark. Your ears don't listen to me. Your eyes look at me, and they are no different from clay. Enkidu, remember how we have wrestled with panthers. Remember how we have run fast alongside the little wild horses on the steps. Remember how the people greeted us. Enkidu, remember how they embraced us and sang songs about us. Gilgamesh walked back and forth beside his friend. He grieved. He tore out his hair. He ordered the artisans to make two bowls, one of carnelian stone and one of lapis lazuli. The first he filled with honey, the second with butter. He set them on the table made of alumqui, the scented sandalwood. He put them into the sunlight during the brightest part of the day. Then he took them to his friend's couch and set them beside him. Oh, Enkidu, here is food full of the life-giving light of Shamash, the sun. Eat it, Enkidu. It will bring the life back into your body. But Enkidu lay still. Gilgamesh then ordered the elders of Uruk to make for his friend a couch of gold. He ordered that robes of finest cloth and embroidery be made for Enkidu, and that he be dressed in them and treated as a king. But Gilgamesh threw off his own rich clothing. He dressed himself in the pelts of wild animals and threw away all his gay trappings and ornaments. In the night he went to his mother's bedside. O Ninsun, what fate has overtaken my friend Enkidu? He didn't die in battle. No disease attacked him. He did not die of venerable old age. The earth reached up and seized him, mother. Will I too die? Will I too turn to clay? In time, dear Gilgamesh, all people die. Even I, mother, who am two parts God? One part of you is man, O Gilgamesh. Tell me, Ninsun, about my ancestor, Utnaptishan. I have heard that he is one that lives forever and does not die. So they say, Ninsun replied, but who knows about Utnaptishan? I'll find him. I'll learn from him the secret of life and death. Tears fell from the eyes of pale Ninsun. Utnaptishan, your ancestor, lives somewhere beyond the bitter river. Thus he is called Utnaptishan, the distance. You know well, Gilgamesh that no one who is alive can cross that river. It is death itself. Please stay here, my son. But he only cried out, I will find him. I will find him. As the first shimmer of dawn appeared, Gilgamesh set out from the city of Uruk. Man, that always makes me really sad when Enkidu dies. Really makes me sad. Doesn't seem fair. What do you think? Hmm. It makes me think too about how, you know, would he have died if he had remained wild, free like an animal? What would his life have been like? Was it the cost of becoming civilized? I always wonder what the myth means that it has Enkidu die. Hmm. 